You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. publicly blames Russia for ghostwriter and counsels Moscow to amend its ways. Finland's security services warn of foreign cyber espionage and influence threats. Zoom bombing at the highest levels in Cambodia. Colossus is the latest ransomware kit on the block. Conti is back as predicted and has hit a major European call center. Dinah Davis from Arctic Wolf on cybersecurity learning standards. Our guest is Otavio Freira from Safeguard Cyber with insights on how to defend against nation-state actors and zero-day exploits. And Huawei's CFO is back in China. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, September 27th, 2021. The European Union on Friday publicly attributed the ghostwriter's cyber espionage and disinformation operation to Russia. The statement said, quote, Some EU member states have observed malicious cyber activities collectively designated as ghostwriter and associated these with the Russian state. Such activities are unacceptable as they seek to threaten our integrity and security, democratic values and principles, and the core functioning of our democracies. These malicious cyber activities are targeting numerous members of parliaments, government officials, politicians, and members of the press and civil society in the EU by accessing computer systems and personal accounts and stealing data. These activities are contrary to the norms of responsible state behavior in cyberspace, as endorsed by all UN member states, and attempt to undermine our democratic institutions and processes— including by enabling disinformation and information manipulation. The European Union and its member states strongly denounce these malicious cyber activities, which all involved must put to an end immediately. We urge the Russian Federation to adhere to the norms of responsible state behavior in cyberspace. End quote. No immediate action was announced, but as the statement's final sentence warned, The European Union will revert to this issue in upcoming meetings and consider taking further steps. The attribution and warning didn't say which nations had received the attention of Ghostwriter, but as the Washington Post notes, the timing of the communique suggests concern for Germany, which held elections over the weekend. The outcome of that election seems to be that a center-left coalition led by Social Democrats with the smaller Green and Free Democrat parties will form the government 
that will succeed retiring Chancellor Angela Merkel's. Independently, Finland's Security and Intelligence Service called out both Russian and Chinese cyber espionage and influence operations as major continuing threats, Bloomberg reports. Cyber espionage and ransomware are seen as especially acute threats, but the assessment also assigns a particularly high risk to Finnish information infrastructure from potential legitimate investments by authoritarian states. According to online tech publication Rest of World, Cambodian Prime Minister Hun Sen Zoom-bombed an online conference held by the country's banned opposition party to tell participants that their communications were being monitored. The leader said, quote, I have been listening and have entered to listen many times already, end quote, taking an unusually hands-on approach to warning the opposition. He is said to have wagged his finger and cautioned the opposition to behave themselves and stop insulting him should they expect to be permitted back into public life. Premier Hun Sen, a Khmer Rouge alumnus with all predispositions for social control and political repression that affiliation suggests, is believed to be working toward tighter control of Cambodia's internet. The Prime Minister said on his preferred Facebook platform, that he'd previously attended 20 of the opposition's online meetings, explaining, quote, This entry was just to give a warning message to the rebel group to be aware that Hun Sen's people are everywhere. Please be careful and don't do any activities against the national interest. End quote. Cambodia's control over its domestic internet is regarded as likely to increase this coming February when the country's national internet gateway comes online. The gateway will route all internet traffic through a single point, where a state operator will exert national policy by blocking undesirable websites and collecting user metadata. On Friday, ZeroFox discovered and described a new ransomware strain they're calling Colossus. Its one known victim is a U.S.-based automotive dealership group, and the attack is the now-familiar double extortion that both encrypts data and then threatens the public release. Colossus hasn't shown much disposition to chatter on the dark web, but its operation suggests familiarity with the ransomware-as-a-service criminal market. In particular, their communications with their victims have a familiar look, resembling, as they do, similar messages issued by Epsilon Red, also known as Black Cocaine, and Evil, also, of course, known as Sodinokibi. This suggests, ZeroFox suspects, that Colossus may be using a similar builder. A dump page for doxing uncooperative victims has yet to appear, but ZeroFox expects one to surface shortly. The record reports that the major European call center operator GSS has sustained an attack with Conti ransomware. The attack hit on September 18th. GSS has taken down affected systems and is working toward a full restoration of normal services. Russophone security researcher Haber, disappointed with his treatment by Apple's bug bounty program and Apple's failure to respond, has published, according to Forbes, three zero-day vulnerabilities affecting iOS 14 and iOS 15. Haber says he disclosed the bugs to Apple's bounty program back in March. And finally, the BBC reports that Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou is back in China after reaching a deferred prosecution agreement with the U.S. Department of Justice. 
Justice agreed to defer prosecution in exchange for Ms. Meng's admission of having misled its partner, financial services firm HSBC, about Huawei's extensive and sanctions-violating involvement with Iran. The New York Times reports that Canadian citizens whom China had detained shortly after Ms. Meng's arrest were also released and have returned to Canada. Recall that Ms. Meng had been detained in Vancouver pursuant to a U.S. warrant and had been fighting her extradition to the States. Their arrests were widely regarded as intended simply to give China leverage in the Meng case. The Guardian quotes critics as calling China's actions hostage diplomacy, which probably isn't a bad characterization. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Zero days are notoriously difficult to defend against since these types of exploits are developed to target vulnerabilities that are unknown to software developers. One of the ways to mitigate these types of attacks is to continuously look for potential vulnerabilities within the software that's being used. Otavio Freira is president, CTO, and co-founder of Safeguard Cyber, and he offers these insights. You've built a great piece of software or technology or infrastructure. And the bad guys, either it's uh, organized hackers or up to nation states, have figured out a way, a hole in that infrastructure that you did not know about and use it to exploit for espionage, for financial gain, for, you know, take a pick of malicious means. Is it fair to say that not all zero days are created equal? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, take um, solar winds, right? I would, I would almost put that in one extreme, very sophisticated operation, 
carried out. We now know by a nation state that, you know, took advantage of supply chain, figure out massive scale, you know, created a zero day, if you will. On the other extreme, you have um, some web kit in a browser that you go to a website and it's exploiting some vulnerability in JavaScript or a browser that does something um, to a targeted group of users. So, so absolutely. I, I think there's a continuum both of complexity, investment, and outcome from zero days. There's effectively a market for it. There was a, a working financial market that buys these zero days. Governments buy these zero days, you know, and the prices vary, right? Mm. Depending on their sophistication and complexity and operating system, the price that they can be purchased at is a, is a proxy almost uh, for the level of sophistication or, the, or the, the spectrum of sophistication out there. And how does an organization prepare against this? I mean, how do you dial in appropriate resources for this particular type of threat? Yeah, well, it's, it's important to point out the disparity between the sophistication attackers in any organization, right? No matter how sophisticated. So it always is a, no matter the situation, it's a David and Goliath. I think situation, I think we... We know all need to understand that. That being said, organizations, you know, can always do better in terms of preparing for for these uh, for these attackers. I think the very first step is understand what your risk is. Right? It is hard thing to accomplish. Actually, easy thing to say, but it's it's an important step because. There are just basics that need to be done, you know, a good backup process, um, a good threat intelligence process built around your your organization, a QMS system that takes into account the best practices of a cybersecurity program. You know, there there are things that you can just do to make sure in case of a cyber attack that you well prepared. And, you know, this all leads to some risk assessment that you can do to prepare for the case of a nation-state attack. I mean, of course, after the attack, a breach has occurred, well, it's just too late. Mm. So, you know, the hard work is creating that resilience, understanding your risk level, and then addressing it. So how do you prevent malware and ransomware from propagating the business? How do you, in case you are, attack through ransomware, now you're thinking down the chessboard, well, how to avoid a data loss attached to a ransomware? And then how do I also protect the human attack factor from these nation-state attack? And if you watch the DBIR reports over the years, it just social engineering and the human factor just kept arising as, as more of the means that you deliver things such as as ransomware. So looking at your organization, understanding that the human is a potential attack factor. Humans are using communication channels, everything from email to something like we're on today here or you know, a video-based collaboration tool. These are all means that these incredibly destructive tools of these nascent states, such as ransomware, 
can be delivered. So, you know, it's important to have a automated software that allows you to detect uh, when these attacks are taking place and respond. But even more importantly, you got to think up the value chain and start with the risk, right? To avoid you get to that point. But it is a complicated matter to defend against uh, nation states for sure. That's Otavio Freira from Safeguard Cyber. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Dinah Davis. She is the VP of R&D Operations at Arctic Wolf. Dinah, it's always great to have you back. Um, I I wanted to touch today on something that I know you've been following, and this is learning standards when it comes to cybersecurity. What do you have to share with us today? Yeah, I was really excited um, that recently cyber.org came out with an entire curriculum for uh, teaching cybersecurity to kids from K all the way to 12. Um, Really impressed with it. Uh, It uh, splits up how they teach it into three main categories, which is like computing systems where they talk about like networking and, you know, software updates and that kind of stuff. Digital citizenship. And for that one, it's all about like cyberbullying, digital footprint, like getting, you know, making sure they know and are aware of what it is to be online. And then information security is the, is the last column. I was very excited about this. I've maybe posted a couple times to the Canadian government that they should get on this. <laughs> I've also been a big believer in kids learning tech and computing really early. I feel like we teach our kids about physics, about uh, biology and math so that they know when the doctors are talking or they go see a specialist or something, it's not magic. It's science. It's based in reality. And with their worlds being so digital, I really think they should know it's not magic. Hmm, That's interesting. So uh, it's a in a way, demystifying some of the things that are going on behind the scenes. Exactly. They should understand that it's just algorithms that are working on their iPad. That it's not, you know, it can't do everything because a human had to program it to do that. It strikes me, along with what you're saying there, that, um, you know, we teach kids things like basic health and hygiene. And I wonder with computers and, and certainly their online networks and and these being a primary way in which they interact with their friends, 
Does this go along with that? Is this a basic skill that needs to be just a, you know part of growing up that all kids really should have? I think so. And and it's not just the technology, it is the security part. And I, I was really excited to see that they put the digital citizenship with it as well, because that's also your privacy and what you do online matters and it will be recorded. And also just that you can have all of your stuff stolen, right? So, you know, we don't we don't go out in the world and tell our kids to just walk across the street without looking both ways, right? Because they could get hit by a bus. Well, mm-hmm. the internet's not that different, right? Mm-hmm. There's some pretty crappy things that can happen to them online if we don't teach them what's safe. Do you think there's a component to this as well of, of uh, you know, bringing the parents up to speed and having them understand wh- what part they play? Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, I don't know what uh, the cyber org has in their in their settings, but I know that as part of their curriculum, it's teaching teachers how to teach this. So hmm. at the very least, it's uh, it's pulling teachers in to get engaged and educated about it. Because if they're not educated about it, like I mean, they're going to do things in front of the students that potentially are are risky behaviors, like not bad, but like you know, they could be using the same password and giving that password out to everyone, and then that's an okay thing to do, but it's not. Right. 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 Wash your hands. Right. Brush your teeth. <laughs> exactly. Don't don't reuse your passwords. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In my household, those are some uh, hardcore things. <laughs> yeah, boy, I bet uh, all the kids love to visit the Davis family, right? <laughs> now, kids, before we eat dinner, I'm going to need you to to uh, show me your Yuba keys. <laughs> I think my uh, my teenager daughter would kill me if I did that. Yeah, I'll bet she would. All right. Well, Diana Davis, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Don't forget to check out the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast where I contribute to a regular segment called Security, huh? I join Jason and Brian on their show for a lively discussion of the latest security news every week. You can find Grumpy Old Geeks where all the fine podcasts are listed. And check out the Recorded Future podcast, which I also host. The subject there is threat intelligence, and every week we talk to interesting people about timely cybersecurity topics. That's at recordedfuture.com slash podcast. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. 
we here at N2K Cyberwire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Cyberwire. 